0: Hello and welcome to the BTC Pod. My name is Michael Castello, and here with me is Sean Bush. Uh,
1: welcome, Michael. I'm ready to uh, ready to dive in. We're gonna we're going to kind of go through um, some of the coaching positions that have been filled recently in, yeah. in Boston, Indiana, and then look at the ones that are open and and some of the candidates that are that are rumored
0: to um, or been interviewing for those positions. Yeah, so this is the craziest that I can remember, like head coaching carousel. So, I mean, candidates everywhere, there's more good ones than ever. I can't ever remember a time where there's more new candidates, ones that haven't had jobs before, than there are former head coaches. And in addition, seven openings isn't a ton. It's more than a typical year. But the openings this year include opportunities to coach like Jason Tatum and Luca and Zion all in their very early 20s. So, should we start with running those down? Yeah, uh... Yeah, that works for me, for sure. Okay, so, there were seven openings. The Indiana Pacers and the Boston Celtics openings have been filled. We'll get to those in two seconds. The five remaining openings are the Washington Wizards, New Orleans Pelicans, Dallas Mavericks, Portland Trailblazers, and Orlando Magic. Yeah, and like you said,
1: uh... I... Uh can't remember at like an off season like this where not only maybe not like there's probably been off seasons where this many jobs have been open, but that these jobs seem very appealing. And also the combination of there's a lot of both good, well thought of um, candidates with head coaching experience. And also seems like more hype around some of the assistant coaching yeah. kind of candidates than I can remember. Cause a, a lot of these people, it feels like I've been interviewing for head
0: coaching jobs for, for years, and, and yeah. they all
1: seem like they're due, kind of.
0: Yeah, it's weird. So in football, I'll use this analogy, is there's not 32 NFL-level quarterbacks in the world. And for head coaches, it's typically like that in any sport. But right now in basketball, it feels like there's more than 30 competent head coaches. Mm-hmm. Like every single year, and we see, like you said, these dudes have been interviewing for a couple of years, some of them. is. Coaches who are good enough don't get jobs because there aren't enough to go around. And this year, more than ever, I think we're seeing that. Also interesting to me is that if you count the play-in, five out of seven openings are teams that made the postseason. And only two teams, like only two lottery teams need head coaches. That's pretty interesting. And that's weird. Um, and
1: that that's very weird. And, and I wonder, you know, I don't know if that says anything about the league as a whole. I don't know if it's... Um, there's less pressure on bad teams because mm-hmm. tanking is a little bit more accepted now. I mean, yeah, it's proven to work. There's like... more pressure on kind of being stuck in the middle. Yeah. Um. So uh, that'll be a, kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting trend to, to follow going forward. Um. But yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and start. You, you we'll start with the Celtics. I think. Okay. Uh, since since they hired I, I I think we, we both really love this hire. Yeah. Um. It seems like people just do not have enough nice things to say about him. Yeah, it seems like the players really, really wanted him and, and Brad Stevens respected that and, and got the guy that they wanted. Yeah,
0: um, so the Celtics hired two days ago, I believe. Yeah. Um, Ime Udoka, who most recently was an assistant coach for the Nets. He spent one year there and the year before he was the 76ers assistant for one year. Before that, 2012-2019, he was assistant on the Spurs coaching staff. As a player, he played most notably for the Spurs. But 75 of his 80 career starts came in his lone season as a Portland Trailblazer. That was in 2006-2007, so he's 43 right now. First Nigerian head coach in NBA history. He represented Nigeria in his international career, but he's from Portland. Um, I think that's about most of his resume. He's really well-liked, like you said. Yeah. And in 2015, as a Spurs assistant... He personally recruited Lamarcus Aldridge, who he played with in Portland. Like, flew him out, all of that, all the time, and really like, Aldridge was a max free agent. Like, he was a huge deal. Yeah, big on that time. market. Um, and, and he the, was. I mean, the
1: biggest free agent the Spurs have ever landed. You know, if you're not really re-signing. Yeah. Know. Um, no,
0: he definitely is, and that's a team with five rings in two decades. Yeah. Five rings in like sixteen years, fifteen years.
1: Uh, another thing that's kind of notable about his resume that I think actually uh, went a long way in him getting the job was I know he was an assistant on uh, the most recent Team USA team yes um, yeah. and that, that was kind of how he got to know uh, Tatum and Brown because they both went that route Marcus and Smart too and, and Smart yeah um, so I, I think you know, they were able to develop the relationship with him there which mm. will give him a, you know, a, a huge advantage um, usually when you're a coach coming out from an outside situation you don't have a rapport established with, yeah. with three best players
0: um, so uh, yeah I think it makes a ton of sense um, yeah like you said that was a great decision on Brad Stevens' part yeah is listening to your guys and it's not like he's only a player's coach like they didn't want him because they like him they wanted him because he's a good coach exactly and, and here that's what everybody says around the league like Rudy, Rudy Gay I saw a quote said that Udoka won't tell players what they want to hear and won't back down from anyone but he's not a hard ass yeah. So he's got, a, he's got I, that balance. I got that same quote here. Yeah, He says, yeah. he'll stand
1: up the guy. Defensive he's defensive-minded. He's defensive-minded. He values toughness. Um, yeah. And, and that's that seems like the mix that you really want yeah. in today's NBA. I don't think players are as willing, um, or just people in general, are as willing to put up with um, kind of overly demanding bosses yeah. as they used to be. And I think that's that's expanded to the NBA. We've seen yeah. that with players kind of get and get into it with coaches a little bit. Um, But at the same time, I don't think coaches like a yes man. Also, I think they want to be challenged. They want to be pushed. And they most importantly, I think a lot of times, especially the good players, want a coach that will hold their teammates accountable. Um,
0: So you've got to strike that balance. And it sounds like he he does a great job. I'm so anti the player's coach Mm -hmm. because it'll work for a tiny bit. And then your growth, like plateaus a little bit sooner. Yeah. There needs to be like the working relationship where the coach is in charge. But I think we've come a long way from we were talking about this off air. Like the college coach. Being a coach isn't about like discipline anymore. Or not being challenged and just like being the word of God. But good relationships with your players so that they know they can trust you. Because if they question things you both get smarter. Yeah. Like how many coaches or how many players go on to coach? Probably at least ten percent. And, like, every player is going to know a ton about basketball. So, there's more good minds. And that seems to be what Udoka brings to the table in addition to his strong resume, strong defense. Um, he had a great playing career. Anybody who makes it to the NBA is a great player. Um, last thing I have for him is he's engaged to Neil Long. Really? Yeah. I did not know That's that. cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah uh i didn't know she was engaged that won't hurt me
1: one one question i'll present really quick just because um you know boston had not an ideal year last year and then mm-hmm. you know obviously made some big moves do you think like do you think this hire in particular tells us anything about their off-season plans or not really like do you, i guess in the sense of do you think that like Hiring a younger coach without head coaching experience might mean mm-hmm. that they're more willing to, I don't know, like move Marcus Smart and, and take it a little yeah. slower around Tatum? Or do you think that this was just simply he's the best hire, um, our guys like him, and, and it doesn't really affect how they're going to approach like their offseason moves and free agency and trades and stuff? So to
0: me, I think both are true. Like I think he's not a developmental coach. Yeah. I think coaches get better every single year, and that's a hill that I'll never stop telling people about. Is we can't judge them as good change, yeah. yeah, as solidified commodities. Like Luke Walton was hired by the Kings because he showed promise, not because he was awesome. Yeah, and he sucks so far, but that's besides the point. Udoka is like a very qualified coach, mm-hmm. and so he could be win now and win later. Yeah, and I don't want to garner much. Like, the next hire we're about to talk about is clearly a win now move. Yeah. And in part, that's because he's not in his early 40s. But, yeah, I wouldn't glean too much from this, especially with the Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens weird movement out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if they're in shambles or just in transition. That might be an eye of the boulder thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know what to think about their offseason based off just this.
1: Yeah. All right, well, let's – Let's move on to Carlisle and the yeah. Pacers. Uh, that was a, a huge hire. Uh, actually went a little... I'm not surprised at all that he he went to Indiana just with their history and with what they were looking for reportedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did move a little quicker than I thought. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even sure... I am I guess they brought him in for an interview, but maybe it was just... He came in for an interview
0: and they were like, you, you have the job if you want it. He's, you know? he's probably... And it might be a bad idea to hire people without interviews, but... I mean, it's like free agents. It's like, yeah, I want Kevin Durant on my team. Yeah, exactly. Like, you want Rich Car- Rick Carlisle to coach your team, especially from
1: like the Pacers' perspective, where yeah. it's like we're a smaller market. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with with Bud in Milwaukee. He could mm-hmm. get fired, and then you know that opens up for for Rick, and he's been connected to that job. Yeah. You know, at, at points, um, I I think it's a great hire. Uh, I. Uh, it's funny, I would, you, normally I'd say I think Maz fans would get mad at me for this, but Mass fans seem so pessimistic right now that they'd probably kind of uh, cheer me on. But I, I think it's probably Rick's best roster since 2011. I mean, obviously they don't have a Luka type yeah. talent, but I think this is probably the best, most talented, well-rounded, assuming they can stay healthy because they've had some injury issues yeah. with some of their players, um, kind of roster he's had since the championship team. Maybe 2015, you know um but that'll be fun i'm excited to see rick with a well-balanced talented roster i think he could get a lot out of those guys um one thing i am interested from this standpoint uh is with the way things ended in indiana where Bjorkin lost the uh the locker room so you know It just seemed like all the players really hated him. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm interested to see the dynamic between Rick and the players. I I don't think Rick is like a jerk, but he's definitely one of the harder coaches to play for. You know, Um, so that will be one thing I'm keeping my eye on. But assuming that the players get along with him and and they respect him and and that all that stuff, yeah, I expect Indiana to take a jump next year. And I think you know they're not going to be contenders or anything, but. I think they could be a very dangerous team you don't want to see in the playoffs. Yeah, um, that could that could kind of catch you by surprise. Yeah,
0: they. I wouldn't be surprised if. I mean, the league's going to be healthier and everything, so there's going to be less COVID-related variants. Mm-hmm. But they remind me, if they keep the current roster, of like what the Suns had this year. Yeah, and the Suns didn't go through a coaching change, but they've got a similar talent level, and I mean. Rick's probably a better coach than Monty Williams until we get sample size yeah. to see exactly what Monty Williams is. But like we've talked about, and you said about that roster, is Brogdon's borderline all-star. Miles Turner could be an all-star in a weak year. Like TJ Warren's a professional scorer. Sabonis is an all-star. Mm-hmm. Like Karis LeVert has a ton of potential. They've got talent at all five positions. Yeah. And they're probably the only team I know that's making six guys over $10 million. And nobody over twenty-two million either. Yeah, so they're really well distributed. I just I've always loved the Pacers' talent. I do and too. I figure they have to make a move, mm-hmm. but maybe this was the move. Yeah, maybe they're sold on Rick actually getting the most out of this talent because they've been less than the sum of their parts for years now. Yeah, but they're equipped to win. They can like really win, and they won't make probably the conference finals given the East the way the Suns did. But coaching goes such a long way. Especially when you're replacing coaches that makes you worse. Yeah, with one like, with one that can make you better. And Carlisle's a definitive top ten coach who's going to make his team probably better than the sum of their parts. Yeah, you can't lo- not you can't not love this hire. I would say that about anywhere Carlisle went, but yeah, the Pacers were in desperate need, and this is as big of a home run as they could have hit.
1: Yeah, and honestly, you know, it's a great situation from Carlisle. He he grew up in the Indiana area. Yeah. Um, he's very always been very close with. Leigh uh, Bird, who obviously doesn't work there anymore, but mm-hmm. has a you know a strong ties to that Pacers organization, and um, they played together and have been been friends for a very long time.
0: Um, How long did Rick? I don't even know if most people know um, his coaching in Indiana the first time. He coached Indiana for four years.
1: Uh, I think he had like a fifty six percent win percentage or something. Okay. He he went he had uh, went sixty one and twenty one in his first season with them. Did he win coach of the year? I think he did. I can't remember for sure. And then I think they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that was that last time they made a run with like an old Reggie Miller. Yeah, Um, probably 2004. Yeah, 2004. (laughs) Um, uh, So, yeah, he's got a lot of, you know, history there, obviously. And he was an assistant there even before he became a head coach, um, before he took the Detroit job. Mm -hmm. um so he he's he's been there for a long time and I also think it's great from a standpoint of I do think he wants a a decent amount of control and he likes that and it's a a smaller you know smaller market team with a kind of a less demanding owner and I I wouldn't be surprised if part of their pitch to him was you know we trust you and we'll hand you the keys and let you do things the way that you want to do them
0: yeah All right, let's move on now to the five remaining opening jobs. So those are the Wizards, the Pelicans, the Mavericks, the Trail Blazers, and the Magic. So, like I said, the two teams we've hired already were in the postseason, and then three of these five are as well. So the Wizards made the play-in, the Mavericks lost in the first round in seven, the Blazers lost in the first round in six. Uh... The Mavericks and the Blazers are probably the most interesting of those two because you can coach Luca or you can coach Dame. Mm-hmm. You can coach Zion as well, and that's amazing. But his team is just less good. Yeah. So the Blazers yeah. are the most relevant right now, so we'll start with them. Um, no disrespect to the Mavericks, by the way. They just don't have a GM, so not – Yeah, you know,
1: it's it, – I mean – Their
0: process is far away. They yeah. don't have much news to we'll, go we'll off of. They'll probably
1: be the last of these teams to hire a coach. I would
0: yeah. Think. So the Blazers have three finalists – yeah. Is that what the report calls them, is finalists? Yeah, or...
1: um, and okay. I guess technically, I don't know, uh, I would have to look at the report again. Maybe like these were just the three confirmed finalists. Okay. Like, maybe it's not limited to these three, but the ones we know for sure who got 2nd interviews um, were Chauncey Billups, Becky Hammond, and Mike D'Antoni. Um, and they were said to be interested in kids, um, but he actually pulled his own name from... From the process, um, which was kind of interesting, I'm I'm not sure I ever saw the the actual explanation for that. Um, So Jason Kidd will not be a candidate
0: in the Trailblazers. If uh, he pulled his own name, you have to think that he's got some sort of promise. Yeah, like even if it's not a guarantee, just there's another job that's more yeah enticing to him.
1: Yeah, or like I could see you know him being interested in Dallas, and maybe it was a situation of Portland being like, we want to make a decision yeah, next week or two, and he's like, I can't do that.
0: Yeah, he wants to keep that open. Okay, so I guess we'll start with D'Antoni. Everybody knows who he is mostly for his coaching with the Rockets. Mm -hmm. He coached there for several years. He was the driving force along with Daryl Morey about their analytics ball. They led the league in three-pointers since like 2013-14, I believe. Up until Harden's last year, last full year, not this year, because he wasn't there. And Harden wasn't there for more than eight games. But, so he's offense first. And he also coached the seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns. He's offense first. He loves spacing. He loves pace. He loves the three-point shot. He loves guard-driven creation and perimeter play in general. Like, he had Steve Nash and Harden as his two best players, most famous players and so Portland makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I mean, they've got Dame, they've got CJ, and they've got Norm Powell. Like, one of the best three-guard lineups there is. All of them can shoot. All of them can handle. And they don't play defense already, so there'll be nothing for him to get rid of. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. It, it might be smart for Portland at this point, especially with, you know, the, I feel like they've tried really hard over the years to to get some kind of Band aid defensive wings in there, like an alfro
0: Minu, a Mo Harkless, Robert Covington Robert for their first round pick. Yeah,
1: um, I all, I kind of you know like the idea of Tony coming in and and them saying you know what like we have Dame and CJ yeah. and per- hopefully Norman Powell's coming back. You know, uh, I guess he's restricted, so that you know it's up to them if they want to keep him. Um, but uh, I I, I kind of like the strategy of. You know, lean let's into lean into in. it. Let's lean into D'Antoni.
2: I'm
0: fully on board. Like, um, I mean, the Nets did it this year, and with health, it probably would have worked. It'll work next year if they're healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though it hasn't worked out yet, I love the Bulls trading for Vucevic for the same reason. Yeah. Is you already suck at defense, make your offense better. And they could really do it. And D'Antoni's Rockets defenses <laughs> with the right personnel were, like, pretty good. Yeah. They weren't bottom five. Yeah despite the fact that they went all out on offense. And to me, Portland's an attractive job. Yeah. They've got Dame, like I said, CJ, Norm, and Nurkic, and other fungible pieces like Robert Covington, Nas Little, Derek Jones isn't worth much, and neither is Zach Collins. But they're non-zeros. They're not negative contracts mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And they could move their roster around a ton. Yeah. Or they could it the same, but I think that they would do something different.
2: Yeah, I'm guessing they'll
0: shake the tree a little bit. I yeah. think they're at a reset point and everybody except for Dame should be on the table. Yeah, I agree. Um, so it, whatever like Tony wants to make his scheme work, we know great things about his scheme. They would have been champions if, what? Chris Paul's hamstring yeah, didn't I screw think, him uh, all over? Like, yeah. They would have toppled Kevin Durant's Warriors. Like the best team we've ever seen. Uh, And then, the other uh, two candidates are no slouches though. Yeah, we don't we don't know where the direction is right now. So all three obviously bring different things.
1: Yeah, you you know, um, I think probably if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a basketball fan, so you're probably pretty familiar with Chauncey Billups, um, since he was you know just so recently very good with the Pistons. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, another guy like uh, Udoka, who it just seems like the last four years you can't see enough. Yeah, wonderful quotes about the guy. Yeah, um, I really thought you know at the time he was going to get that Cavs GM position. Yeah, um, when that was rumored, um, and then he just also he was just one of those guys when he played he just seemed like a real you know coach on the court kind of yeah. cliche. Um, so I think he would be an excellent coach. I could see him and Dame having you know a great rapport. Um, oh, that's a good point. And uh, and then. Obviously, Becky Hammon. Uh, yeah. You know, if she gets tired, you'll of course get, the internet trolls will come out, and you'll get some people that are mad about her skipping some imaginary steps, even though she's <laughs> been an assistant longer than most of these other assistants.
0: Cha- Chauncey Billups has been an assistant for one year. Yeah, this, exactly. This past year, like Jason, like, like Steve
1: Nash had never even coached. You yeah. know, and Steve that Nash's job.
0: only job was player development consultant. With the Warriors and that was for three years if I count on my fingers, 17, 18, 18, 19, 1920. yeah mm-hmm. so he won two titles in three years, not bad yeah, but I'm sorry that's four years, 16, 17 he started. But yeah, so he won titles as a consultant and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they jump him up over <laughs> Dan Tony, who's his assistant in Brooklyn. So, there are no rules, and yet, Becky Hammond follows all the rules. Yeah. She's been a Spurs assistant for, I think, eight years now. She has won championships in the Summer League. She's coached on all-star staffs. She was the first woman to head coach an NBA game this year, because she's the lead assistant, and Greg Popovich got ejected. Mm-hmm. So, she actually head coached, like did all of those, and was the top dog on that sideline. And everyone who's played for her loves her. I, loves don't, her. Yeah. I don't know anyone in NBA any NBA circles ever said a bad thing about her.
1: I, I've seen... Uh, I, I, I don't want to like misquote anyone, but I I know for a fact, I remember over the past few years, and I'm pretty sure it was uh, some of or not all of all the you know big three when they were kind of at the end of their mm-hmm. runs in San Antonio, Parker, Ginobili, and Duncan. But I think they have all pretty much kind of made their pitch for they're like, she's going to yeah. be the head coach. You know, they, they seem very sold on her yeah. and that she was the real deal. And, you know, some people might write that off as them just trying to be nice, but, you know. There's you, too many
0: of those for that. Yeah, and. and like, you, Russell Westbrook and Beal. You don't Beal, have to go out of your yeah. way to say you know Russell you Westbrook be, and Beal say nice things about Scott Brooks. Yeah. Like, and that's token, because there's only, what, two of them? Mm-hmm. But Becky Hammond's getting it from everywhere. Yeah. Like, even Pau Gasol, he wrote a Players' Tribune article in 2019 about women coaching in the NBA, and Becky Hammond was basically a focal point mm-hmm. because she's the leader and current best female coach. And he said, I've played with some of the best players of this generation, Pau, of course, Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant, the Spur, played under Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich, and I'm telling you, Becky Hammond can coach. I'm not saying she can coach pretty well. I'm not saying she can coach enough to get by. I'm not saying she can almost coach the level of male coaches. I'm saying she can coach... Period, NBA basketball, and he's a stud. He could get a job like Steve Nash whenever he wanted. Yeah, because he's that well respected. He was that good, and he's that clearly intelligent. Yeah, there's nobody dislikes Becky Hammond who knows things about basketball. So I'm so excited for her to get a job. Yeah, I think Portland's a great city before for her. And we talked about this off air a little bit. Is every city would be good because they have an NBA team, but. Portland especially, and with Dame being the best player in Portland, I think could really be a good spot for her.
1: Well, and the other the other one I want to just put to bed, uh, which kind of uh, goes to kind of what Powell was saying, is the the other one I'll, I'll hear brought up is like, well, how would men respond to a woman head coaching? You know, what, yeah. would they be too uncomfortable and stuff? I think that's nonsense. Um I think all you have to do is look around it's not just Becky Hammond who's an assistant you know female assistant coach there's several female assistant coaches out yeah there's another
0: head coaching candidate on this list who's a woman
1: and yeah exactly uh, Weatherspoon we're just there now I think and I've never heard any of these players complain about any of these coaches I've heard Mm. tons of coaches you know stories are coming out every year about coaches that players don't like whether it's assistants or head coaches that are getting let go because they don't they aren't agreeable with some of these guys Mm. and i mean we've i think there's enough female female assistant coaches at the very least where players are used to dealing with female coaches and if it was uncomfortable for them i think they're probably comfortable with it now yeah otherwise you know a team's not gonna keep around a female coach that their players don't like just for pr purposes yeah if anything they're they're taking a hit on the PR purposes by just hiring them. I think
0: it's the opposite. And like you said about skipping steps is there's more steps for Becky Hammond. Exactly. You are under like much more scrutiny. Mm -hmm. You have to do things like much better than male coaches because all things equal, nobody's going to take a chance on you Exactly. because there's just the questions that they don't have answers to. And so I think Becky Hammond or whoever else, when they get there will give those questions answers. Mm-hmm. But she has to be more qualified to do the same things. And so I'm really confident in her ability. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know what more to say. I think I like Chauncey the least for Portland mm-hmm. because he's only coached for one year. Yeah. And Becky and MDA are both pretty proven. And I think both fit really well for Portland. I think they'll that'll tell us a lot who they hire. MDA is clearly very win now, like... Even if you change the roster, you're running it back and you're pushing your chips in. Mm-hmm. And Becky Hammond could go either way, like we've talked about with Udoka. Same. And,
1: and I could see, you know, the argument from Chauncey where, like, if they did want to kind of rebuild, you know, maybe... A as coach someone that who is you're going a, to get better with. Yeah, and maybe as someone who is, like, a former, you know, GM candidate, he might be more yeah. understanding of kind of, you know, like this is what we need to do to yeah. win, taking a big-picture approach, whereas a lot of head coaches yeah. sometimes are like, this will make us worse next year. We can't do this. You know? Yeah. Um, okay, i say let's uh, move on to New Orleans. Okay. Um, Pelkin's job is very interesting. Like you said, uh, I'd say primarily because of Zion Williamson. Um, yeah.
0: Brandon Ingram's another all-star on that team.
1: I would assume that Zion Williamson, even though he's as young as he is, will have a little bit of influence in this hire. It's just because of the, you know... I don't know how true the recent reports about, you know, him being unhappy in New Orleans and his family being unhappy in New Orleans are. Mm. Um, but if that is true, I would guess that, you know, they're not going to hire someone that he wouldn't be okay with. Uh, but also he hasn't been around for long, so he probably doesn't know much of these yeah. much of these candidates. Uh, the two names I've seen linked to them so far are uh, uh, Brooklyn assistant Jacques Vaughn, bon, uh, who was – he coached – what, Orlando for a few years? He and then was, got hired, and then he was the interim coach. He for, was
0: interim head coach, yeah. When Atkinson when got fired. When Atkinson got fired until the end of the year. So he was their coach in the bubble.
1: And he's a younger guy still. Ah. Yeah, I think he's you know mid, mid, younger, uh, mid or lower 40s. Um, and then the other name they're uh, connected to is Milwaukee assistant Charles Lee. Um, I also saw that they're kind of interested in general in up-and-comers. They want a younger guy... Um, or girl to kind of to kind of lead the team and I, I
0: can and see how that would sense. make
1: sense especially you know with how bad the Stan and Gundy thing went yeah I, I can see them wanting to you know kind of go in the opposite direction of that
0: I think there's a lot of pressure in New Orleans mm-hmm. I mean Zion's only been there two years so not so much in that sense but if the reports are true then David Griffin has fired two coaches in two years he inherited Alvin Gentry and kind of let that play out because a lot of other stuff was going on Yeah, and fired him. And so Stan Van Gundy was his guy and he lost the locker room pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. He just was a bit of a relic. Like he was coaching like it was 2011 instead of 2021. Yeah, And so he's not going to get another try after this. And you don't like when people are like in positions of power, worried about their job instead of worried about... What's doing the best thing mm-hmm. because it's like drafting a quarterback versus win now types of like you want to do the best thing for the franchise as a whole, so I think that's the smartest approach
1: i I think so too um i I also can see like I could see the the thought with the van gundy at the time, especially yeah. where I feel like there's a little more optimism for New Orleans to be good right away coming into this previous season than, than there is right now than there is right now um and, It's just clear that, you know, while they do have some clearly very talented young pieces, they just don't fit together exactly right. And it's going to take some time to get some veterans in around them and and make that work. And if you've
0: hit on other picks, like Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Kyra Lewis, you're not going to hit on them right away. Yeah. And Jackson Hayes is another one. Like, you don't need to be in a rush, especially with how deep the West is. Like, they have time, Mm -hmm. and Zion's got time. He's got three more years before he's going to get an extension which nobody has ever turned down yet mm-hmm. the rookie max so I'd be surprised if he walks but I mean you have to worry about it because of how important he is yeah but yeah I don't really want to say much. I mean Jacques Vaughn's got the tiniest bit more experience but I don't know if I'm partial any of those candidates
1: yeah uh, you know do to don't, share the list again uh, yeah it was just Jacques Vaughn and, and Charles Lee that's what I thought Um, okay. and you know sometimes with these assistant coaches like obviously we, we got done seeing udoka's praises um but really only so many assistant coaches come up during the year so like yeah. charles lee is someone i look at his resume where i'm like oh yeah it seems like he's he's probably ready to be due he was and, interviewed in a couple jobs last and year yeah, as well he's been interviewed for head coaching jobs before but i i'm not going to sit here and pretend like i know a lot about charles lee or what kind of coach yeah he is. the
0: thing with assistant coaches is the same with anyone in the front office you can't really tell almost all the time who did what mm-hmm. like so michael finley what's his do you know his official position he's an assistant i think in the he's front office. assistant gm yeah like you have no idea if the christoph's porzingis tim hardaway junior trade was 99 percent him or he didn't do anything yeah but it's also like oh he's the whole reason they drafted jalen brunson like mm-hmm it's an amalgamation and we just don't have the information because we're not in the meetings yeah so you have to kind of look at other things yeah you kind of just got to trust i
1: feel like especially i put a lot of trust in the whenever someone is a coach or a front office position and compliments some another coach or front office position that's not part of their organization i take a lot of stock in that you know Because everyone's going to hype up their own guys, uh, even if they don't like them, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's just, that's what you're supposed to do, play nice. Um,
0: But if your work demands respect, then these people know what respect, what deserves respect.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Alright, should we uh, go to Orlando Uh, or Washington? Washington's a tiny bit more interesting than yeah. Orlando. Orlando and I, I don't mean to slander Orlando. I'm just a Wizards fan. Yeah. But, I mean, they made the playoffs. Yeah. And like also, they're, they're I think we're... Team.
1: And we've, we've gone over this on previous pods. I think we're both very excited about Orlando's young core in general. I love it's, the Magic. But it's still not like... They're not going to be an exciting team. I mean, maybe they might be fun to watch in like a bad fun
0: kind of way but like Le- league pass fun but they won't be competitive just yet. Washington is a
1: more consequential job
0: than yeah like, so the Wizards fired Scott Brooks and their new GM Tommy Shepard has been in place for just about a year now
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they were the eight seed but they should have been better I mean they snuck into the playoffs at 34 and 38 and it took them being the hottest team in the NBA for a month and a half to even make the play in <laughs> Like, they were the nine seed that became the eight seed. So, all indications from their organization is that they want to win now, which, Russell Westbrook being 32, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they went out and traded for him is, like, I mean, clearly. And Bradley Beal doesn't want to lose games, and he doesn't want to leave. Mm -hmm. He's never demanded a trade or anything. He signed an extension that he didn't have to sign. And he's even gone
1: out of his way to, to like... It's one thing to, not say, to, you know, yeah. to like not say you don't want to leave, but he, he's gone out of his way a lot over the last few years to yeah. say, I want to be here. And I want to and make he this He wants work. to
0: win in Washington, and he puts his money where his mouth is. So the coach that they hire, and there has not been any official meetings yet or interviews. If there are, we don't know them. But the coaching hire is going to be win now, but probably not win at all costs just because the East is so roadblocked and they've never been linked in a trade for a third star. Mm -hmm. So their roster is interesting because it's Russ and Beal, like all NBA level guys who are in their primes. Russ is probably about out of it, but he had an amazing year, career highs in rebounds and assists. But then everybody else is young. Mm -hmm. Danny Avdia, Rui Hachimura, Thomas Bryant, Daniel Gafford, all really, really young. And those are the next best players. Yeah, Like they're one and two. And then those guys are three through six. And then wherever you want, Davis Bertans, who's only spent two years with relevant minutes. So he's low mileage. So they're trying to find the balance. They're kind of like, what's a team that took a leap this year? They're like what I expect the Cavs to do next year or Mm -hmm. the Bulls to do next year. They're kind of in that limbo. The leading candidate for their job is Wes Unsell Jr.
1: Yeah, that was the only name I I could really find that was like,
0: Somewhat yeah. sourced, you know. So Wes Unseld Sr. is Mr. Wizard, technically Mr. Bullet, but he's like the Wizards version of Dwayne Wade is to the Heat or anybody else. He won Rookie of the Year and MVP, which only Wilt's done that, I believe. Um, he brought them their only title, blah, 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 blah. And Unseld Jr. has been with the organization since he graduated college in 1997 until 2007. And then he left to go...
1: Denver, I think. Or at least Denver was where he he was recently. Yeah,
0: so he went to Orlando and then to Denver because he's good friends with Denver GM Tim Conley. If it's not Masai Ujiri, Conley's the best GM in the business. Yeah, he's great. And since he was hired in 2016-17 with the task of basically being their defensive coordinator, that's not his official title, but that's just like in football terms. That's Mm -hmm. what he does. He's in charge of their defense. First year there, the Nuggets defense was 28th. Second year there, the Nuggets defense went up to 10th. Those were 16-17 and 17-18. So a little bit ago, but like their entire contention window. yeah, Yeah. Pretty much lines up with the Michael Malone era. And so he's the architect of a defense that's built around Nikola Jokic. One of the most unique centers offensively ever, but really ever, period. Yeah. Like their defense is good and he's the focal point. He's the dude who's in the paint all the time, and he's not what you would call an athlete or mm-hmm. a good defender, <laughs> you know?
2: <laughs> and to build, to
0: build defenses around that, like the opposite Rudy Gobert, is the strongest part of his resume. He's interviewed for a lot of other head coaching jobs, so it's not nepotism. He interviewed for the Clippers, Rockets, and Bulls last year. They ultimately hired Ty Lue, Silas, and Billy Donovan. He interviewed for the Cavs in 2019, so the Wizards would just be like I don't know what you would call it, like a homecoming or the prodigal son or whatever. Yeah. But he's a legit candidate and he's the only one that we've heard. So you have to figure he's the leader for the job.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if that's a name, any team should be excited about him. He might be my favorite. Him and Becky, I think, are my favorites in terms of qualification. Yeah. Um candidates that have not had a job before.
1: Uh one thing I do want to ask you was, if you're if you're ruling out so obviously they haven't been linked to anyone else, do you think, like, are there any other names, and obviously you just said Becky, that, mm-hmm. like, would really jump out at you as, like, a good fit for the Wizards? And do you think that, in general, they're kind of taking the same view as New Orleans, where, um, obviously, Unsell's, like, a younger guy? Um. And, like, do you think they're going to go with more of a young and upcoming coach? Or do you think they would consider, like... A Dan Tony or like a Steve Clifford or Dan- something like that. Dan
0: Tony's my other favorite choice. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, we talked about what he brings to the table in the Portland guards. Like, the Wizards guards are Russ and Beal. Yeah. They can definitely, and everybody on the Wizards can shoot down to Thomas Bryant, their center, and maybe not shoot well, but scheme them well. Ruby got better at shooting this year. Blah, 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 blah. Breton's is great. But Dan Tony's very win now. And the roster is conducive to his type of style. And they want to win now. So we'll see the degree to which they want to win now versus play for the future. Mm -hmm. I'd be really surprised if they took a swing for a star this year. I think they'll run back this core, but better and with more continuity. And I think they'll get better, not as urgently as they need to. So they'll be in between. So Unsell would make sense. I think Kenny Atkinson and Dave Yeager would make sense because they've been head coaches before but still could have tons of room to grow and so I don't think they would take many new candidates yeah. because that would kind of scream slow mm-hmm. but obviously Unseld's an exception and Becky Hammond are probably exceptions I think that would be my four Hammond, Unseld, D'Antoni and I mean half for Jaeger, half for Atkinson Yeah, because I think both of them are pretty good I love Jaeger but I have no idea and, much about him because of the fact that he gave sacramento their best season since the playoff drought and then got fired
1: yeah that like, a good, that's a that's a great call bringing him up he's kind of someone that completely slipped my mind but i, I also thought he did a really good job in sacramento and yeah. you know be interested to see when he gets his next opportunity i'm
0: hoping that he was that good and the kings just fired him because they're incompetent mm-hmm. and luke walton was the shiny new toy who had went like 38-3 and or whatever while Steve Kerr was out with that back surgery. So I think that's the direction for the Wizards. Um, Is there anything else? Oh, this is not related exactly to the Wizards, but since we were talking about Stan Van Gundy a minute ago, I think what's really going to be interesting with all these new head coaching candidates is lead assistants. Mm -hmm. So a lot of years when a head coach gets fired... They either take a break or they go become an assistant. Yeah. So we saw that with D'Antoni after getting fired from the Rockets. He was Steve Nash's lead assistant, even though he's been to the playoffs many times. And Nash had never coached before, period. Yeah. I think Stan Van Gundy is going to be an amazing lead assistant if he wants to coach. Mm-hmm. And I think I would really, really want him if I was a team hiring on cells or a team hiring Becky or anybody else who's going to be a first-time coach
1: yeah and there's a you know there's a, a few guys that fit that bill like I think you know Terry Sots would probably be I don't yeah. know if I'd be rushing to give him another head coaching opportunity right away yeah. but I think he'd probably be an excellent assistant coach you know yeah I,
0: Nate McMillan did the same thing yeah and then exactly. Lloyd Pierce got fired and now Nate McMillan's in the conference finals yeah in as an interim head coach technically this is still his first partial season um Yeah, Kenny Atkinson's the same. He got fired. He could do it. I don't know what Jim Boylan's up to. Jim Boylan, Alvin Gentry, David Fisdale, Brett Brown all got fired last year. I think of this year's pool, SVG is the best candidate. I think, like you said, Stotts is a good one and Clifford could be a solid one. Yeah. But I think that's really, really important. And that would be probably my number one scenario for the Wizards specifically. But I guess anybody, because I think Unseld's is the best candidate of yeah. any of the unproven ones. So if you want an un, a coach getting their first time, I would say Unselled with an SVG.
1: Um, all right, should we do Orlando? Yeah. All right, we'll move quick on this one, because like we said, Orlando's not doing the setting. Sorry if we have any. I'm not trying to slander Orlando, Orlando listeners at
0: <laughs> all. There just isn't urgency with that.
1: Uh, and we do have a new name, uh, Willie Green. Mm -hmm. he's been he was an assistant with the Suns uh this past year maybe the past two years and then before that he was with the warriors uh i think he's the youngest of all of these candidates he's not even 40 yet uh if 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 my memory serves me correct
0: so we haven't brought up will hardy but i think he might be the youngest um oh i must have missed that one will hardy is 33 (laughs) he's been a Spurs assistant for 10 years i don't know what interviews he's had this year specifically just that he's a name to watch mm-hmm. but last year he interviewed for the thunder the knicks and the pacers so interesting yeah god
1: 33 will I,
0: will hardy you heard it here first i couldn't imagine
1: being an assistant coach in the nba a year ago <laughs> like that's when i yeah, guy no, started <laughs> he was the
0: spurs video coordinator at 23 which is i mean most famously i think eric's bolster story yeah Yeah, went from video coordinator to heat head coach and been there for what 20 plus years he probably started in the 90s yeah yeah Um, so if becky moves on maybe will hardy is the heir apparent to pop since he'll probably have a little more patience being 33 but that'd be cool who Willie Green is? Uh, Willie Green. He
1: uh, he was an NBA player. I uh, he he was in the league for a while. I, mean, I only remember him with the Sixers, but I think he might have been around oh, right a little bit. Oh, after Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, he, for he's reason. got
0: one. Of, he's got one of those names where he has to like yeah. do that. Yeah, to and then it, then it clips, yeah. Okay, wait. Yeah, because
1: right. I, I did the same thing where I saw the name, I was like, that sounds familiar, and then yeah. like I googled him, I was like, oh, Willie. Yeah, Green. Yeah, you know, there's probably yeah.
0: five like defensive ends that have been named Willie Green. Um, <laughs> they are.
1: Also connected to uh, Charles Lee, that was that Milwaukee's buck assistant that is being looked at for the New Orleans job as well. Um, Darvin Ham. Uh, did you see Darvin Ham with I,
0: I don't know. I can uh, I yeah. saw Darvin Ham a couple times. I I feel like I've seen him. Darvin Ham is the box assistant as well. I think he's their lead assistant. He's I been think a, he is too. He's, he's been, been around for a while. Yeah, he's been a G League head coach. He, assist, he assisted with the Lakers, um, the end of the Pau Gasol, Kobe Bryant era. So, before Kobe's retirement phase, when they were still winning. And then he was a Hawks assistant in the Big Four era, mm-hmm. like the 2015 one seed. And since then, he's been the Bucks assistant. And he's gotten interviews. I just don't know if he's got any this year yet. He yeah. had four last year. Clippers, Pacers, Bulls, and 76ers.
1: Uh, they've also been linked to Jason Kidd. Um, Ugh, Jason and, Kidd's been linked a couple times, uh, and I've heard that's that's the team I've heard has uh, like the most interest in him besides Dallas, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dallas, like, we'll get to them in a second. But like, there's it's hard to say anything about Dallas because they don't have a GM, so it's like you know yeah, the guy who's that, hiring the coach isn't even typically, him. yeah,
0: yeah. falls um, first. And then uh,
1: Kenny Atkinson was also linked to them, um, and I actually think, one. yeah, I to me. um I mean, I wouldn't have an issue with any of the assistants they hired. Uh, and, I mean, it's not saying much because I'm not a Jason Kidd head coaching fan at all. But I do think Kenny Atkinson would be a slammed up for Orlando. I think that would be a great fit. Yeah, I think he he's just shown uh, he did such a good job in what I feel was a very similar situation in Brooklyn. Um, and has for shown real. he's done such a good job of just developing... Kind of young talent and, and not just like home run young talent. He's very good at developing just
0: kind of everybody and, and helping them yeah. kind of reach their better versions of themselves. Like the, And that's really what Orlando needs yeah. right now. The crown jewel on Kenny Atkinson's coaching resume is, I believe, the 18-19 Brooklyn Nets, Yeah, which was the year that D'Angelo Russell was an all-star. Mm-hmm. Keris LeVert burst onto the scene. Jared Allen burst onto the scene. Didn't wait. He had a real breakout year that yeah. year. They gave... The 76ers, probably a five- or six-game series, but it was hell in the first round. And the year after that, the wheels fell off a little bit Mm because Kyrie and KD came to town, but they didn't really play. And a couple of those guys took back seats. Yeah. And so he's not damaged goods, but he's like the box of cereal that you get a discount on because it's got a dent. Mm -hmm. Like, he belongs coaching in the league.
1: And I will say... to me, it's very rare when a coach gets fired in the middle of a season and the response is like, oh, that was a mistake. Like, usually if you're mm-hmm. getting fired in the middle of the season... It was like, overdue. Like, it's overdue it's and like, everyone's like, you. duh, yeah. yeah, about time. Uh, and, you know, I guess maybe mistake was the wrong word because I do think it was, from the way it was reported at the time, it, it felt like Kyrie KD didn't feel like he was their guy and like mm-hmm. it, you know it's a player driven league so that's just how it's going to work but uh when he got fired there was a, a ton of defenders that came in Nets fans you know NBA media guys um mm-hmm. they said you know this was not a guy that was getting fired for being a bad coach It's is a guy that just kind of gets stuck in you know yeah not a great situation for him um so I, I think he's ready for another opportunity and yeah um and To your point about assistant coaches, he's another name where if he doesn't land that head coaching job, I think a lot of teams that hire one of these young assistants should look at him very long and hard for an assistant coaching um, position.
0: Yeah. No, he is currently an assistant coach for the Clippers. And like we said, he's done it. He's had his hands. Like, that Brooklyn team was really impressive. Mm -hmm. The fact that they were able to do that and win games that they... Shouldn't have. All those players went on to be good, but besides Delo, who they had to trade for because things weren't working out in LA, like none of them were high picks. Yeah. He got the most out of them, and now Jared Allen's probably going to get almost hundred million dollars in free agency. Like Karis Levert, if it weren't for injuries, would be a French All Star. Spencer Dinwiddie, we're about to see where his career takes him, but he won the Taco Bell Skills Challenge. That's like the best. <laughs> That's like next to the assist title, the biggest accomplishment there is for any guard. Uh, I, I really like Kenny Atkinson. Like I said, I am a Wizards fan. I want him on the Wizards. I think he'd be perfect more so for the Magic because mm-hmm. of where they are as a franchise. Yeah. And yeah, any team should be excited about hiring him, honestly. I would have liked him getting the Indiana job, I would have liked him getting the Celtics job. He seems like a good blend of patience or win now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mavericks? Mavericks. Let's,
1: let's, let's bring it home. So the Mavericks, like we've said a, a couple times, are in a weird situation where um, they're not only replacing a coach, but um, GM or president of basketball operations, kind of a fluid situation, depending on what they decide to do with Finley. Mm. But they have said they're not going to look at coaches until they hire gm which is smart and yeah. normal uh, a lot of Madisons are very upset that there haven't been any names linked and and i think that's just
0: impatience you it'd, know? Be, it'd be scarier if there were names linked uh, yeah. because that means mark cuban's trying to buck the process the, and go jerry jones on him.
1: the two links that we seem to know for sure at this point are jamal mosley will definitely get a hard look but that is not a mistake. Is Jamal Mosley the lead assistant? He's currently? the lead assistant, yeah. He, he was, uh, and he's also interviewed for head coaching positions in the past few mm-hmm. years. He started uh, in 05 as a Nuggets player development coach, and then they promoted him to an assistant coach in 2007, and then he moved to the Cavs in 2010, and then he became a Mavs assistant in 2014. Um, and his kind of... The best thing he has going for him is um, the uh, players absolutely love him across the league mm. um, to the point where, like, Tristan Thompson, unprompted last week, tweeted out, um, you know, Jamal Mosey needs a head coaching job, like, this year. Um, and yeah. that's, a, you know, and Tristan Thompson hasn't played for him since 2014. So, they, you know, that's a that's a deep cut. He's, he's really, really... Close with Luca as well, um, in particular. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that goes into it. Um, and he was kind of the defensive coach for the Mavs. Um, the knock against him would be a lot of people come out and said, "Well, the Mavs haven't been a great defensive team since 2014." Um, I would, I would say the counter to that, to me, and you know, maybe this is making excuses to the guy, is the Mavs have not had good defensive personnel.
0: I was just gonna say any that year since
1: twenty fourteen.
0: The Mavs may um, not have been a good defense. And we also I felt really
1: over cheating. They've as performed well as a defense. That's exactly she, what I was yeah. gonna
0: say is was that stretched since like the start of February? Or was it the All Star break? Yeah, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, we were like, top five or ten. Yeah, we were like rating. a top five
1: defense, and, and they have
0: no business. I mean, yeah, look and at the, look at the Mavs roster yeah. and say Luca, which bad part defender, of that? Tim Arway, yeah. bad
1: defender. Christoph Porzingis, bad defender this year. Dwight Powell. Yeah,
0: we didn't have a Maxi Kleba like terrible season.
1: Yeah, Maxi Kleba was our was our best rim protector on the team, and he's like six eight. Yeah had covid like he, you yeah. know like
0: like he's a great defender he just wasn't this year and yeah. they still were able to do those and things.
1: He, and he's still not a guy even at his absolute
0: peak where you can throw him in the center yeah.
1: and like ask him to just block everybody at the rim <laughs> yeah exactly he's just not built like that you don't you know?
0: funnel him funnel to him the way you funnel the rudy gobert
1: um so he's someone that's definitely been linked and then it sounds like uh as of today jason kidd you could probably include as someone who will definitely get an interview um I would not be happy with Jason Kidd hire. Oh, um, But I, I, like, you know, he's interviewing with all these other teams and I get it from the standpoint of he won the championship here. You know, he has a relationship with Cuban. He has a relationship with Dirk who's now part of the front office officially. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, beautiful That's baby. Um, so, but also I saw a lot of people taking that report as the Mavs are hiring Jason Kidd and I don't, think that could be further from the truth but I mean this will be the fifth time we've said it but uh the Mavs don't have a GM so (laughs) that's the guy whose job it is to hire the coach and until that gets sorted out we can't really know about Mosley or Kidd or any of these other options
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah and that's why we left this one till last is we don't hate the Mavs but (laughs) like there's no news there's nothing to
1: go on Yeah. yeah
0: um
1: but uh obviously uh It'll be interesting to see how um, how interested the outside candidates are to me, because there's mm. this uh, split between. I think in general you would assume, well, everyone would want to coach Luca. I mean, he's like maybe the best asset in the league to have right now, oh, yeah. You know? um, and that obviously is true and a huge advantage. Um, but with the way things went at the end of the year and the Bob Wilkerris story. How Carlisle left, how Donnie either was fired or, or left. Um, it, I could see, you know, a coach being a little hesitant to come work for Cuban and, and yeah. be afraid that if it's, especially Rick Carlisle is the head of the coaching association. So he, it's literally his job to talk to all the coaches. <laughs> so I bet you the other coaching candidates have a pretty good sense of What exactly went down last year and how much control was taken away from Carlisle and how much was overblown. Because there's been kind of conflicting reports on that where some people say Bob was scripting the rotations and some people say, oh, Rick would never allow that to happen. He was just making suggestions like a normal analytics guy. Mm -hmm. Um, But the coaches will know um, because they're friends and they talk. So it'll be interesting to see how um, intrigued some of these candidates are. You would think it would be like... The pre-year no job to get, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. That's what I said earlier on the pod, and I'm amazed with is, if you're a coaching candidate and you're sought after, you can coach Zion or Luca or Tatum, mm-hmm. and but use those guys to define your legacy. Yeah. Like if you just want a good win percentage, like you can't get better than future Hall of Famers, which is so, it's so important in their early 20s, man. Like people
1: can maybe make comments on that in. In the present, where they're like, ah, he wasn't as good, you know. But the longer, the more time passes, like, if I were to look up a coach from the 80s that I didn't know anything about, (laughs) yeah, I would never take into account, they'd be like, oh, it's just Moses Malone, you know, like, I I would be like, oh, wow, he's a 60% weekend
0: coach, he must be
1: one of the best coaches ever,
0: you know. Yeah, like... A uh, hundred years from now, you look at Doc Rivers, and it's just like, he got job after job. He's yeah. coached the most game sevens. He's got a 1,000 wins. He's got a ring. He's yeah. got
1: coach of the year. Look at all the players. Loved him. You yeah. Know,
0: like, but then it's like every single year, people are like, Doc should be fired. <laughs> yeah. Well, even, we don't even know if he's a good coach. I even, think he is. An even better example, that might be Butt. You know, yeah be like, Coach
1: <laughs> my kids will probably look up basketball <laughs> reference and they'll be like, why was this guy fired? The Bucks had like a set Playoffs all the
0: time. MVPs, They're like the one, one seed seat every year. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then like, they just kicked him out. That no other was a Yeah, The you know? <laughs> uh, uh,
0: front office didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> uh,
1: all right. Well, I
0: think that's it. Unless there's, is there anything else you want to touch on? Um, Did we talk about Teresa Weatherspoon? Oh, we didn't. Okay. Um. So... And I, I, think,
1: I think she was linked to the New Orleans shop Yes, so
0: okay. Teresa Weatherspoon Has spent one year only As a full-time NBA assistant Much like Chauncey Billups And she's already interviewing for The Pelicans head coaching job Which I don't think that can be anything but No joke, like that's yeah. incredible So I I mean there's no need to label it But like she's probably next up
2: mm-hmm.
0: That Doesn't really happen too much she was the head coach at Louisiana Tech, their women's basketball team from 2009-2014. And then she went to the WNBA. For the New York Liberty, she was the head of player and head of franchise development, which, that's a hell of a title. Yeah. To, to have both. And then, yeah, New Orleans, she had a partial job, like, consulting, like, I believe she was a two-way player development coach. So, that's only part of the team. And then she became a full-time assistant and... Apparently, she's that well-loved. Yeah. So, you said she was a gold medalist like, uh, as a player? Yes, she, she's an Olympic gold medalist. Okay. Um,
1: okay, here we go. Uh, you think this audio will pick up on the, on the podcast? Because it's honestly This is basically all yeah. I know about Teresa Weatherspoon, and I was sold that she would be a head coach just okay. on this two-minute clip. Feel
3: that. Feel that. But this is... Feel that. But this is what happened to me. And I go home and I share this with my family. My family said to me, you can become whatever you desire to become. Know your value. I get a chance to play on the 1988 Olympic team. Now, I've been told as an eighth grader I would never be great playing this game. I get a chance to play on the 1988 Olympic team, and then I'm playing. We're in Seoul, South Korea. I'll never forget it. Seoul South Korea, and we get back, we win the gold medal, and I'm on the stand. I'm like, oh God, this we, I'm the youngest. I'm like, this is awesome, everybody else is crying. I'm on the stand, I'm like, yes, 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 I'm getting the medal. I get the medal, we get home, I said, mom, I know I told you everything that I do in this game, that it is yours, but I need this medal for one second. I need this for one second, mom. Remember, I'm from a place of 882 people, I don't need a car, I don't need a bicycle, nothing to get to your house. The house is right there, I can touch it. I can touch it, it's so <laughs> close. So I get home, my mom said, where are you going? It's after midnight. She said, where are you going? I said, I'll be right back. I want a full out sprint, you guys. I'm, you can hear me right now. I want a full out sprint. I get to this house, I'm like, boom, 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 boom. It's midnight, <laughs> so nobody, I, so I hit it again. So you know how you dug down? And you look up under the door and see if the light's going to come on. (laughs) I saw the lights come on. I said, okay, okay, they're coming to the door. Come to the door. That coach that told me his eighth grade, I would never be great. I took that medal off my neck. He opened up the door. I said, bang! Only 12 of the best in the world get this. Only 12. So why did I share that with you? It's because understanding who you are, understanding your value, understanding your worth, is so important. You cannot allow one person to tell you who you are and what you cannot become. If you do, you allow them to create your destiny. You can't do that. You can't. Cause it's impossible. Know who you are and get the last laugh. Ha <laughs> ha, I did.
1: <laughs> so, I guess I, I, I know very little about her as a candidate, but... If you would to run through a, a brick wall yeah. for that woman Instantly. after that just two minute <laughs> little clip, I mean, I could totally see her. She just seems like a person like like a motivational speaker. Like, yeah. Um, so you know, I don't I don't know a lot about like the exos sides of her uh, side of her resume. I don't even know if she's like, and you know, a lot of these assistants are kind of assigned an offensive specialist role or defensive mm-hmm. specialist role, um, but. You can tell from that video she's got an electric personality. I can yeah. see why the front office likes her. And obviously for her to even get a look after one year of coaching, yeah. like you said, she must
0: That's an elite m- and small know what group. she's talking about. Yeah. Like I was talking earlier, we both were about Becky Hammond and how as a female head coach in the NBA, you gotta do things like ten times more just to get the same opportunity. She must be absolutely killing things yeah. in order to get to that spot where if she was a male head coach we would be like she's like, too soon like, yeah. like, all the problems we had with Steve Nash getting hired by the Nets it was just like are we sure like what's <laughs> like they just like him yeah. just like Kyrie wants to hang out with this guy like that has to be merit based because she's not like an all time top hall of famer yeah. in the NBA yeah like uh. Because even, even some of those guys don't get their be, opportunity that yeah. quick. You know what I mean? I mean, like we said, we don't know a ton, but she's head coached at high levels. And the WNBA is a very high level mm-hmm. as well. And she wasn't head coaching. She was doing everything, player development, franchise development. So she seems qualified and to have a meteoric rise like that. Yeah. It's something you get behind. Just like, you want to see if it's all true. Yeah, definitely. And I trust... These everybody in the NBA knows about basketball. Exactly. So if they feel that way, like they know better than us, mm-hmm. so I trust that a lot. So that was Teresa Weatherspoon, current New Orleans assistant. You'll hear her name again. Yeah. But much like Will Hardy, you heard it here first.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, like you said, you know, um, she. My guess is she won't get a job this year. But yeah. these when you get an interview, like. That almost feels like an end. Like mm-hmm. it feels like, like we said, a lot of these names we recognize. It's because you get that first interview, and, and teams, other teams start paying attention yeah. to you, and then, then you're just you
0: know getting an interview every every year, and then it mm-hmm. only takes one team, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like David Vanterpool, another candidate I have listed. He's been interviewing for head coach a job since 2013. That's wild. And he'll break through eventually because yeah. like he's really good. He's a Wolves assistant, by the way. Um, but once you get that first one, teams are like, okay, they know this guy, and they know that he's capable of doing it. So that's how I parse out a lot of times who the good assistants are. Mm-hmm. And the Clippers have a few. The Bucks have a few. The Spurs and are
2: always loaded. Spurs, with Spurs,
0: yeah, that's all the Spurs do is turn them out. Coach Bud must have a real coaching tree. <laughs> yeah. It's like the next pop, dude. We never talk about we assistant coaching about Yeah, co- Coach Bud's legacy yeah. is the part that we don't bring up enough. gave <laughs> <laughs> adjustments, what he's providing for the sport. Uh, so, yeah, Teresa Weatherspoon, I'm high. I think she's going to be good.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. Um, well, I, uh, I think uh, we might as well wrap it up. Yeah. A uh, lot of interesting... You know, head coaching positions open. A lot of interesting candidates, like we said. Uh, obviously, keep an, keep an eye on the Bucks, especially if they get knocked out. Um, would not be surprised to see that job open as well. Uh, we're going to work to get you guys some more kind of off-season and, yeah. and playoff content out, you know, as we're approaching the finals here. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, come back and, and, and check out the site and check us out on Twitter.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out Mike Brown real quick. I just want to get all my... All my licks in. <laughs> he, he's been Steve Kerr's lead assistant in goal state for the past five years, and he gets interviews every single year. I think he's due for another job, and other teams seem to think so. Yeah. So if your team hires Mike Brown, don't be like, oh, this guy's washed. Like, yeah. this guy sucks. He's old. Like, I want somebody to win a title with Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Mike Brown. A decade ago. Yeah. On. Like, Mike Brown has earned his place in the leagues. So that's another name that I would be pro.
2: Yeah. That's um, a good one,
0: but yeah, uh, not Jason Kidd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As a human, as a human being, he's bad. <laughs> we, as as a coach, bad. As, as a podcast, we'll
1: make a not Jason Kidd. Yeah, only only things.
0: one view is reflected by the podcast that is made on here. I
1: guess that's a perfect way to end it. I'll uh, I'll share a little Jason <laughs> Kidd coaching story from when he was with the Bucks. I actually completely forgot about this, but shout out to Hawks Reddit. Because he, uh, he brought it up today, and I, it just came back to me. In 2017, the Bucs were playing the Cavs, and uh, they were up uh, two points, or no, they were up three points with, uh, like, two seconds left. Mm-hmm. And Jason Kidd told Chris Middleton to intentionally miss the second free throw mm-hmm. because, like, quote, like, he didn't want to risk giving up a four-point play on the last possession which if that makes no sense to you that's because that makes absolutely no sense at all uh, so that's a, a a nice little short feel on the chasing kid coaching experience um yeah like i said uh, check us out at uh, ballthings.com um check out our pods uh and uh check us out on twitter i'm sean bush three s-e-a-n-b-u-s-h uh And yours, Hoops Michael.
0: Hoops Michael. Hoops, H-O-O-P-S, Michael, M-I-K-A-L. And one more Jason Kidd thing, because I just remember this when you said that, is do you remember when Jason Kidd had his own player hit him on purpose? Yeah. To cause a delay. And then because it would spill all over the court. So they had to like clean it up. Okay, that on one was awesome though. Yeah. I mean, just... That's literally the best coaching movies ever been. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you respect it. Po- Post game, he says, yeah, cup slipped out of my hand when I was hitting time. Sweaty palms. I was never good handling the ball. Uh, uh right. I-, I just want a coach that doesn't cheat. <laughs> and understands <laughs> like how free throws work. <laughs> So, kid, those are my only two boxes, and you don't check them. So, please stay away from Washington.
3: <laughs> Alright, that's All right, it. Alright, after,
0: after three plus anecdotes, we'll sign off for real. <laughs> Alright, uh, see you everybody. Yep.